Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and uh, our co-host, who to cleanse his soul of the robbery on Friday night, spat out his barabreef, he's ripped the slate off his roof, he's burnt all of his gawky zygotic monkey records, sworn off leaks, and bit the head off some daffodils. Dr. Lukey Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm good. How about yourself, Rich? I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I've mm. uh, I've had a full weekend. I didn't see the match live because I was uh, I was a concert goer on Friday night, but I, I recorded it and uh, and watched it back. If we got tonked, I don't know if I would have gone through the, those steps. But um, you know, it was it was an intriguing match actually to watch through. So I was, I was, I'm glad I did, and it means I can um, take a full part uh, in in today's episode. So yeah, you've had a full week. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. God, wow. I just uh, it's been such a full week that I'm so slow to the question of so you've had a full week. Um, yeah, I've been doing doing well. I have new employment uh, on the personal news, so I'm pretty excited about that. And um, yeah, I'm generally all right, and it's uh, it's not got that cold yet in Calgary. Very good indeed. So we're uh, we're moving straight past the breaking hoo hoos. There's been. Uh, Absolutely zero events happened in the world of Sheffield Wednesday this week. <laughs> not not a one. As, uh, is, as is prone to usually happen in an international break, let's be honest. Exactly, yeah. So we'll do our usual kind of little look ahead. Um, we, we've got a full week because two home matches on the bounce. One, The first one on Tuesday night is against a, a resurgent uh, Stoke City. Um, they're still managed by Nathan Jones. Is that the case? Yes, they are. Yeah, despite uh, some people said he sacked. I don't know. He seems he to still be there. Still... He's definitely there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, they've had two good wins on the bounce. Um, just beat Fulham at, at the weekend, um, and prior to that, uh, beat Swansea away from home as well. So two pretty, uh, pretty good scalps for them on on the bounce. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to <laughs> to dissuade them of, of this uh, little run of form and uh, and put them back to the, their losing ways that they were in the midst of previously. It's helping. I had a bizarre thing. I was uh, so um, at the concert there was somebody in a Stoke shirt uh, of. Uh, and I spoke to him afterwards. He had Ryan Shawcross on the back of his shirt, and Ryan Shawcross went to my school. Um, so I sort of said, "Oh, do you know? Uh, I actually went to school with Ryan Shawcross. It's one of my very few claims to fame. It's not the sort of school where famous people come from." <laughs> and he was he was on a sort of footbally trip over from uh, South Korea, so just trying to see as many football games as possible. So he'd been to see Arsenal, he'd been to see Stoke. So he's a massive Stoke City fan, all the way from. Uh, South Korea and Ryan Shawcross is his favorite player. That's a bizarre life. What do you think um, was appealing of the no no nonsense uh, direct hard man fuggery football of Tony Pulis era Stoke City in the Premier League that really appealed to someone from South Korea? Yeah, maybe a sort of rugged functionality that just sort of appealed to <laughs> one of the more effective uh, countries <laughs> on earth. I don't know. And we're making that we're making that top flight Stoke City team sound like some kind of German engine, basically. <laughs> 
Well, just absolutely no chaff, was there? There's just, there's no room for joy or skill. Um, just pure, you know, A plus, A to B, might get a C, and let's just keep doing A to B, A to B. Rory Galam doing his um, arm punting of the ball onto uh, striker's heads, onto your, yes. onto your yes. man Sadebi's heads and stuff like this and uh, all those players. <laughs> yes, wearing away his, uh, his uh, the, the, so- the shoulder sockets away to just little nubs. Um, he, it's sad story now, but Rory Delap is he he actually has no use of his arms anymore. But uh, <laughs> he, he sacrificed that for the cause. He looks back with just joy on those days. So you know you pick and choose the battles in life, don't you? Indeed. Uh, <laughs> been horribly derailed. So current Stoke City, they don't have a long uh, a long throwman in their midst, as far as I know. A long throwman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just an arm punter they can bring off the uh, the bench. Captain, set pieces, long throwman. Those are the three things you look for with it when you go straight into a, t- a dressing room as a manager. If we completely change the fabric of um, football, I would almost welcome if if the game gets incre- you know if the game gets globalized and becomes almost Americanized on a certain level. Um, I think I've talked to you before, Rich, just how much I would love an American football like special teams mentality. Like you could yes. bring on a team for set pieces and defending set pieces um it'd be great that'd be one yeah, thing i I'd think like i'd that. actually like from the game of football changing i think that'd be quite exciting i think you'd still get you'd get some longevity out of certain players at, at free kicks and things like that wouldn't you certainly like, exactly yeah yeah like i we think get, Chris Brunt we could get rob jones, jones back to get on the end of things oh yes yes yeah and on it's the other side of things yeah brunt would play well into his 40s there we go We'll bring Brunt back. We'll have, um, you know, and then we could have Rita Johnson back and Rob Jones and Dominic Iorfa. And we'll have some good times. Some bring good back times. Dominic Iorfa. That's yeah. what I say. Um, <laughs> so do we, it's hard to get a feel for where we're at in relation to uh, to Stoke because they, they've had a pretty miserable season. They're still in the relegation zone, but obviously that's a bit, it's a pretty good bit of a turnaround of form for them. Um, probably going to be a, a pretty tough game, I'm, I'm thinking, on, on a Tuesday night. Yeah, it could well be. I, I really don't know how to call it, and I'm going to be. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Just saying, on Friday night, I didn't really know what we really would have seen from that game. So a similar deal for Tuesday as well. I think I, I really don't know what's going to happen, who's going to turn up, and what's going to happen. But it should be fun finding out. Hopefully, I'll be watching the entire thing. So uh, excellent. And then so. That's a tricky one. And then uh, fast forward, we have the, the dirtiest of dirty, dirty, dirty leads. Um, and the old adage of it being a derby and, and uh, those are famously hard to call. That's an early start on the Saturday. Yeah, an early start for everyone involved, really. And particularly early for uh, folks who are in Calgary. Yep, I'll be at 5:30 a.m. starting a pretty packed day <laughs> where I think I'm I'm going to see a um, I'm going to see a live scoring of Ghostbusters in the afternoon and a friend's Halloween party in the evening. So it's uh, oh nice, it's a nice little packed day for me there. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to get up and uh, hopefully see Wednesday do well against Leeds. I I I feel we're going to do better in that game than we would against Stoke on the Tuesday. Weirdly. But I don't know if it's that kind of weird dynamic of like, you know, tough games, you're kind of a lot more prepared for and you're a lot more up for. And I think with the Gary Monk factor um, coming into play, coming against one of his previous managed teams, I think it's going to be a good game. 
I can see it being the the focus Saturday being the focus of the week. Um, not that we're giving up on Tuesday, but like Tuesday will be will be kind of a nice bonus. But I I imagine you know kind of however they mark it in the dressing room, whether it's just sort of spoken or, or whether it's something that's actually sort of up on the up on the walls of the dressing room. I imagine we're we're aiming for three points against Leeds, and and that's what we're sort of planning for. As you say, with the history, with the build up, you know, the big build up to the game, that would yeah, that would be my expectation. And I feel I th- weirdly more confident in the three points against Leeds than I would against Stoke. I'll be honest. It's just hard, so hard to judge where yeah, where, as you say, you don't really know what's going to turn up with uh, with Stoke. But uh, yeah, so so from the week, w- would we be happy with two draws, or would you w- do you think three points, regardless of which game it comes from, is is probably a, a better target? I think ambitiously. I think if we get four points, I think we can definitely okay. get four okay. points. I think we can get a draw in one of those games and a home win in the other. Um, which of those I'm going to call? I would probably say a draw against Stoke and then a win against Leeds. I think to be that'd be my kind of weird kind of prediction from this week coming, but um, it's going to be interesting to see. But I I think you know I feel like we we need to keep a very high standard of expectations up. Yeah, and I I think they're probably doing that as well. You know, in the you know on the training ground and within within the squad itself. So I I feel good right now, even though we're coming into a very tough kind of set of fixtures. Yeah, I think I I think as well seeing the the sort the little bit of flexibility we have in that in that midfield three has made me a bit more confident about weeks like this mm. so I f- i'm i'd be very surprised if we don't see pelupesi start one or other of the games and that that's just an injection of a bit more energy that probably we wouldn't have been able to rely upon in the in the sort of the weeks previous um so yeah those sort of things just yeah do st- i think starting to get a bit of confidence and starting to get a bit of a feel for how we'll turn up i mean at this league famously it's very hard to judge how other you know how other teams will line up against you and and <laughs> yeah the uh the the oft trotted out thing that everyone can beat everyone is is definitely a truism uh but I'm starting to feel there's a dependable level that we can expect from Wednesday, which I probably didn't think for the first month or so of the season. No, that's, uh, that's a very, very good point. And uh, yeah, something we hadn't seen from those early games. I think Biggs, Alan Biggs sort of said something. He's like, at the very least, he'll get the value out of the squad that's there. If we're lucky, he might be able to squeeze a bit more out of it, you know, get that 110% sort of thing. Um, but I, I am starting to feel that kind of reassurance of, okay, this is probably, we've not got one of the best squads in the league. We've got one of the better 11s, I think, if they all play. Mm. Uh, but we're, we're going to get that kind of 7, 8 out of 10 type performance from the team more often than not. And that might be that might be enough to get us to the playoffs. It might be, it might only be enough to just fall short in, in the full length of a season. But it's starting to feel kind of a solid base to, to work from at the very least. Because uh, so the, the, to sort of move into uh, the game on on Friday night, that's a tricky fixture for us. We we've we struggle to win down in uh, down in Cardiff, and we've never won at their new ground. We also struggle against Neil Warnock teams. Mm. Uh, and 
I think we haven't really spoken about it in, in detail. I think we, sh- we exchanged just one text about it. But my overriding feeling was a bit, a bit like the Fulham game in some ways. I feel like we did a pretty good job on Cardiff, and it's frustrating not to have come away with three points from it. Yeah, I think, I think the game plan was pretty good, and I think the team sort of played played it properly. Um, and just a few frustrating things have stopped us coming away from the three with the three points from a, a very tricky match potentially. I have a potential episode title for you, Rich. I mean, we do um, you know we do cherry pick some uh, some fun nuggets from a conversation. <laughs> Um, but blue balls against the blue birds is um, probably nice. <laughs> it's probably how I would do a very crass um, newspaper headline against the reports, and I'd probably probably be fired after such a line had gone through. Um, but I, I think it really does sum up the game pretty well. It was just a very frustrating performance. And interesting that they, I don't know if they made allusion on the commentary that you had, uh, but made allusion to the last time we played Cardiff down at Cardiff, which was two seasons ago, where Gary Hooper took the lead uh, oh, yeah. for us and then Sol Bamba equalized, at, you know, in the death of the game. Yeah. So very much an early lead from Wednesday looking to see it out, get the three points, and then Cardiff came back and nicked something. So very much a very similar tale. Yeah. Via and then an a late enormous, visualizer. Yeah, via an enormous lumbering centre-back in both cases. Which, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny, I also made a comment midway through the game, which we'll come to later, which makes a similar reference as well. Um, I thought it was an interesting um, kind of, as well, kind of series of contests here. So uh, Josh okay. Murphy versus Jacob Murphy. So good twin versus less good twin. Oh, well, that's a nice way. Um, I I similarly made a note. I said both Murphy's awful, but ours is worst. <laughs> <laughs> and then just... you know Harris up against his old employers, and us up against uh, everyone's favourite pantomime heel, uh, Neil Colin Warnock, or Colin I'm Hans. now going to call him Hans Colin Gruber. <laughs> Oh dear! Only Hans Gruber didn't come back, did he? No, no. I guess you don't come back from falling off Nakatomi Tower, but uh, yeah, I guess that's where the analogy ends. It's good to it's good to keep running with it, though. I think um, <laughs> here, yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? I, I, it might be when you actually look at the record, Warnock has not done no better or worse than any other manager against us, but it. <laughs> I think I always count the the the. I mean, games like this are exactly like what he feeds off, as you say, like as a pantomime heel. Um, just, just to play basically terribly for about seventy five minutes. Somehow scrabble together a series of free kicks for for ten minutes through mostly play acting and rolling around, mm. and then a very questionable goal out of it um and to walk away sort of patting yourself on the back for it as well it's yes, just all, as well. it's also so Colin really uh, playing yeah. up to the really hamming it up for the crowds yeah which is an interesting thing especially when I look at a, a manager like Colin Warnock you get that kind of Billy Davis mentality and you know I, I think I mentioned this previously either to you or on the podcast was that <laughs> Billy Davis quote where he said if it was a boxing match it would have been ended early mm. and um certainly kind of quotables and things that linger in your mind that really think you know are you really being serious or are you just that delusion you know deluded yeah 
And I don't know. And I, I wonder how much of a quality being deluded as a football manager is. Because <laughs> you have this real kind of stern, stubborn kind of mentality that just means that it, it kind of adds to your kind of arrogance and confidence and ability to do the job, I'll be honest. I've always wondered about whether... Because I, I always, when, especially when it's an away game, I've always kind of put it down to they're playing to the audience at home. So most of the people are not at that match and therefore haven't seen what's really happened. So what they say on the radio, which then gets quoted on the BBC website and gets quoted in the local papers and whatever, actually probably has a much wider audience amongst the fans than the actual performance. So a bigger then, area of influence, you're saying? Like, yeah, so like, you can kind of, when I'm, you see... Sorry, go on. You know, yeah. I mean, in, in previous days when I haven't had this fantastic technology and access to watching Wednesday away and my situation being far removed from things, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm going <coughs> off people's opinions, people's narration, commentary, uh, both audio and then also from people's, you know, retrospective on things like Al's talk and other messenger boards. And then you're relying on this kind of post-match interview and the views of the journalists who are covering the game. So it's it's all very third-hand information. But since it is so limited, I think that, you know, in that situation where you've got a manager away at, you know, going away, there's a bigger sphere of influence than a home game where more crowd, you know, more of the fans are there to see it or as televised. Yes. Yeah. Which means, but there, so then somebody like Warnock just lies all the time about the performance or is completely deluded with, you know, probably a bit of both. Um, so that doesn't really answer it there. But yeah, I've, I've just sort of long thought it's, you, we see it all the time at Hillsborough. So, I don't know, somebody like Wigan turns up and there's about 100 fans there. So it's less than, it's about, you know, less than 1% of what actually goes to see them on a on a home game. So you turning up and saying, oh, it was a real, you know, hard-fought game and the keeper's not had a save to make, even though you've lost 3-1 or whatever. <laughs> so, you, yeah, you're telling the story to the people back home. But then, I, yeah, but then I don't know that it works when it's a... <laughs> It's a uh, it's it's a home match because they're all there, probably, and the people who are going to react, who are going to boo and get you sacked, are all there. Mm. So it's it's not a perfect theory by any any stretch. Uh, and for for somebody like Warnock, he's also winding us up. That's something he enjoys doing. Exactly, it's that whole kind of pantomime heel, uh, you know, mentality. That villain again. It's it's very much. He just plays to the audience, and he does play up that. He he does a fantastic job of doing that. I think you can definitely say that's one yes. of the top performing things he's done in his managerial career from a Wednesday perspective. Oh yeah, he's got a hundred percent success rate of winding us up. <laughs> He's a fully bizarre. I know people say when you uh, when you comment on somebody's looks, you've kind of lost the lost the argument. But he's a very bizarre man to look at. I don't think he's got any. He's got no eyebrows, and he doesn't seem to have any eyelashes. I th- it must be a wig. I think he's got alopecia. <laughs> He's a really odd chap, but anyway, he's a very he's, strange gentleman. He I keeps would, going. Say, yeah, he's the old warhorse, venerable uh, old warhorse of the English Managers Club. He is the most exalted Sunday League manager I think there's ever been. Plus, he does everyone's feet still, doesn't he? He does what? Sorry, <laughs> he's a qualified uh, chiropodist or p- p- podiatrist, as you might call them over there, and uh, still does still does a lot of the work for the players. Like he'll sorts out their, their toenails and things like that. That's, I just that's imagine that's such 
a bizarre thing where he's like probably like completely like screamed till he's blue in the face at you on, on a Saturday, and then Monday he's just touching up your big toenail, making sure it's not going to get ingrown or, or whatever. So it is kind of miraculous that he's still kind of in the game and still playing his trade. I mean, it it really feels like he's a player who is sorry, a manager who is just from a different time. Yes, certainly is. And I mean, in a certain way, I mean, it it does feed and add to the nature of the character of who he is which um sorry i'm struggling for a second here which uh you know kind of kind of adds to his his whole kind of legend in a sense you know it's like there's no one else like him and no one else kind of already kind of plying his trade we feel like those people from a different time are slowly exiting the mentality of football but he's really hanging in there by his fingernails kicking and screaming the entire time i think correct me if i'm wrong he'd retired before he took the uh Cardiff job, didn't he? He came out of retirement to take that job. So this is him. But how much of that is genuine retirement? How much of that's kind of a Harry Redknapp one last job? You know, the kind of, uh, some kind of cash-hungry expendables? Um, yeah, I, but I think, to be fair to, to Warnock, he, I think his 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 reputation is pr- is fairly well earned. Um, I mean, Bruce has this reputation of being a guy to get you out of, you know, promotion specialist. Um, but he spends an awful lot of money to make that happen every time uh and and yeah redknapp i don't know that he ever did a good job anywhere but also spent loads of money and lined his pockets and lined agents pockets and whatever else yeah um, the thing I would but, say, the positive, I think, maybe I said this in the previous podcast about Neil Warnock, the thing I really enjoyed is the fact that <clears throat> it, it was kind of on the Steve Roos level. I think there's a kind of basics of that um, old mentality that there's very much a kind of kick and rush mentality, but there's very much a mentality of kind of pace and power that I think you get with people, you know, on our side of the city of Gary Megson and Tony Pulis. So the thing I've kind of understood and appreciate about Neil Warnock was the fact that I remember he signed Junior Hoylet from a free, mm. you know, and suddenly you just add a couple of players on free who just have pace and abundance. And it adds up. It gets, you know, it's enough kind of yardage and pointage <laughs> to um, to really make a difference. Well, and, yeah, and Bamba was a free as well, and that was a very shrewd bit of business. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. I I, th- I think he's got more of a I think he deserves more of the praise that he gets than 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 several other managers in in the same position get because I think they tend to have like three or four goes and we remember all the good ones. Uh whereas yeah, he's been pretty consistently a fairly reliable manager. Yeah. Uh, much as much as he's uh, he's a dislikable character from from our side of things, um, I think he can point to several successes. Uh, yeah, um, interesting guy, and it will be. I think I do think sort of football will be slightly less uh, less rich for uh, for him leaving when he when he eventually does. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the game itself. How did you um, feel going into looking at... I, I love looking at lineups, and this was an interesting one as well. I think every lineup's been interesting that we've had from starting 11. Um, yeah. And then, so another West, another Westwood warm-up debacle, which, um, you know, we've made, <laughs> made reference to before. You know, this has happened yeah. on the, quite a few times before, and it's happened again. Westwood has pulled up with an injury. <coughs> so Dawson promotes the number one, and then seemingly we didn't have a backup goalkeeper. Though, 
as much as I wouldn't like to see another goalkeeper injured, um, it would have been quite fun had Sam Hutchinson gone in goal at some point. Yes, that would have been quite good fun. Um, I think at some point they sort of focused on Thornley on the bench as well. So I don't know whether he was he was sort of back up to the backup or something. <laughs> but well, I'm always curious about that from kind of looking at a lens of football, like you know, because you do have backup for the bench. So we thought about like Lee's getting injured in the warm up, and then Iorfa coming in, and then you said how it was a, a law that you had to promote from the bench effectively yeah one of the one of the members of the squad that's already there yeah because there was a question about why didn't you know Bates play on that occasion but um <clears throat> things have changed and I has become fantastic for us at, at centre-back um but anyway the point I'm kind of getting at is yeah there are must be must be players who are outside of that first 16 who are training who are there who aren't even on the bench. But if something happens, then they get promoted, effectively. Yeah, I think they do always travel with... I think they tend to travel with 20 or so. Um, but uh, certainly we made use of the 19th man this time around. So um, mm. a, li- a little bonus for, for Thornley, uh, getting to uh, see some action in his uh, in his jogging bottoms rather than whatever else he's going to be wearing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really disappointed. I mean, I I don't bemoan Morgan Fox playing. I was disappointed to see Odebarjo miss out. I'm not sure what the issue was there or whether it was just a tactical kind of change. But it was kind of a bit strange to see um, Odebarjo sub for Fox. Is Fox a little bit taller than Odebarjo? He's big. I think he's 6'2", six, 6'3", six, Fox. He's deceptively tall, is Morgan Fox. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a he's a pretty pretty tall guy. Uh, yeah, I I never quite understand decisions like that. But you didn't you don't know what's happened in the break. Palmer's been has spent two weeks or two games playing right back for Scotland pretty well. So did he play all two? I, I know he definitely played in the game against Russia. But um... no, yeah, he played. He played. Uh, I think he played both sets of ninety minutes um, at right back. So uh, he was doing his thing. So I don't know whether it's the fact that it was easier to slot him in, and we wanted to make sure we kept Palmer in, or you don't know whether Adebayo felt something in the week, and therefore that he didn't get. You know, he got dropped. Mm. <laughs> Off, you know, we would have probably trained with Fox at left back during the international break, so it might just have been he'd done enough to to keep his his slot. Uh, he certainly he, he put he did put in one or two decent crosses, but he's quite hesitant coming forward. Yeah, generally, I wouldn't put it as one of his finer points of his game, but he's I don't think he's too bad. I think he's uh, yeah, he's, he's not too bad going forward as Fox. He doesn't have the endless legs that Palmer has playing left back, though. Palmer seems to get around really well mm-hmm. at left back, mm-hmm. and more so than right back. Oddly, <laughs> he seems less less assured going forward at right back. Um, but so that so the the, the back four. Uh, was Palmer, Iorfa, Burner, and Fox. Uh, I I noted that Iorfa was coming forward a few times as well. So I, I I wonder if that's just something Gary Monk likes is centre backs seizing that that space in front of them when it's left open to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't notice Burner doing it as as much. <clears throat> but of the two, Iorfa makes more sense because he's just so quick. He just eats up ground. Exactly. Uh, then Hutchinson came back in, so he, he replaced uh, Pelopesi. And there, the the other two in the three were Luongo keeping his uh, his space from before the international break, and Bannon uh, with Harris and Reach on the wings, and Stephen Fletcher up top. I thought Harris had a really good game all round. I think uh, you could tell he was trying to impress. 
<laughs> on his yeah phone. definitely and uh hell you know he got an assist technically i guess so <laughs> maybe he would like to claim that goal himself but it was um a very good um kind of guided deflection from uh julian that was excellent um, and then you know he hit the hit the Hit the crossbar and post with a lovely curl. So, so a little bit unfortunate for him. I was a little bit disappointed for him that he, he didn't manage to uh, get on the sp- score sheet or make yeah, an impact in the game. And all that, despite the fact that Peltier was just kicking him up in the air constantly. I think I think I counted three fouls in the first twelve minutes from Peltier, and then he absolutely went in on him on one. That was the one that you know Bannon was then saying, you know, why on earth is he not getting a yellow for it? The one and the half hour mark where I said that he yeah. Yeah, should have had a yellow all day. That was just ridiculous. Unfortunately, again, I think poor poor work from the officials. All the way through the game, there was quite a few questionable decisions. I mean, we've come out with something like double the fouls of of Cardiff at 22 or something like that, which is an insane number. And it was not... We, we we weren't dirty. There weren't bad tackles, really. There were several tackles where we won the ball and we we had fouls given against us, including for their goal. Luongo had dispossessed Tomlin and Tomlin kicked Luongo and fell over and got a free kick for it, which was that's kind of what the ref did all game. How did <laughs> no. you think, I mean, kind of looking back, it was kind of very much almost a tale of two halves. I think really mainly for the first kind of 55, 60, we looked pretty good. And then things kind of unraveled from there. But I, I guess the, it's just such a frustrating game because the, the first half we just we played some very good stuff. I don't think scintillating wasn't quite the word, but it wasn't quite far off. We played some very it was a, good positive stuff and some good stuff on the break. It was a nice mixture of I thought we were quite patient when we were given possession and, and given time. We we sort of played it around and waited for opportunities to present themselves. And then we looked good on the break as well. We looked really dangerous on the break. Really, I think it's one of those games where Fletcher and Reach, I hope, are having a good hard look at themselves because they both had really, really solid chances and didn't really make anything of them. Like the the goalkeeper won't be coming away thinking, oh, I, I pulled off some tremendous saves today. But he should have had to because they got chances to to, to, to force his hand. I mean, in particular, the one where Fletcher chested it was just bizarre. That was a lovely move with Harris and, and Bannon combining. Oh. Uh, I think Luongo was involved as well. And it was a great ball across. If he ducked, it go, it probably bounces off reach and goes straight in. But he kind of tried to chest it at a diagonal towards the goal. Very weird. Very weird decision. Maybe. Yeah, I didn't know in that situation. I wasn't quite entirely sure what Fletch could have done in that sense. I, I thought he kind of improvised well. But I, yeah, I don't think you're going to get from something which looking back was such a fun, a great chance for us. Yeah. yeah. I kind of agree in retrospect, he probably should have done better or or done something else. I wonder if he could have got his head to it, whether it might have been a bit more fortuitous for us. Yeah, it just seemed an it seemed an odd choice out of the two, and I would have hoped Reach would be screaming behind him because he was basically on. You know, once the ball got past that front post, the only other person in the box was Adam Reach. Uh, so I would have hoped Adam Reach, although it's not really in his nature, <laughs> would have been you know almost blue in the face. 
screaming at him. Uh, he also had a reach had a really good chance, uh, which he hit straight at Flint as well. I think he should have done better with that. It's just as you say, frustrating because I, I think we did. At least an hour, maybe a little bit longer. I I thought we were doing pretty well until the sort of 70th minute or so. I think the substitution wasn't the best. Yeah. I understand it. I mean, yeah, we were there. We were commentating. So say we were controlling the game very well. Um, (laughs) Interesting bit of uh, foreshadowing here. I did say in my notes, I said, if Cardiff score, it's a set piece and Flint is on the end of it. Mm. We'll kind of come back to that. But, I mean, yeah, at the halftime, we controlled the game very well. We limited Cardiff very well. And, you know, we got forward well as well. Some very good progressive play. We're going on the break. Um, Just that chance you mentioned with Fletcher, just with Bannon bursting forward with so much energy. He was everywhere. And um, another great comment, which I I was absolutely staggered, just how well he did in attacking sense. But Hutchinson was fantastic. Mm. And just getting forward with some real real pace and purpose he really wanted this and i i actually thought i thought luongo was good again as well like just kind of he he wasn't the main focus of things but he was he was getting little touches and pushing things around and he was really involved as well it, it, i mean all three of them were were sort of bursting to get forward and make things happen uh which was good yeah. to see and I, I don't know how much there was ever, you could say, a midfield battle, but I felt that we were much the stronger team out of that. You know, well, I, 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 I'm staggered to kind of even think, I can't, I'm going to go back and look at kind of the team sheets. I, I can't really remember anybody who was playing in the middle of a park for Cardiff. And I guess that's an interesting mentality if you kind of look and, you know, we talked about, um, we've talked about Colin's fascination with certainly having a lot of strikers, having a lot of height, having a lot of presence. There's some dirty men in the team. Peltier's a nasty character, isn't he? Let's he be is. honest. And um, so you can't really think about, he has previously, we can think about kind of United. You think about players like Nick Montgomery, who are these kind of midfield yes. hard men. So I couldn't really feel, they made an interesting, I mean, they substituted Bakuna at about the half hour mark. Yes. Which was, I thought was a little bit strange, I'll be honest. I don't think they were, they were certainly less either. Yeah. I mean, who, who came on for him? That was, it was Danny Ward, wasn't it? Yeah. He was a more kind of forward player. And then, I mean, there's Marlon Pack and Joe Rawls. Joe Rawls is okay. Marlon Pack can be a very good player. I don't Hmm. know. It's just, it doesn't seem a particularly, they didn't seem to have a particularly strong midfield in this one. I, I wonder if that's his, the way he likes to play is obviously pretty long. So midfield is secondary to having a big guy and having quick players. Sure. Around. So I, I guess we were almost a little bit like we were at certain times earlier on the season that we're just bypassing that midfield quite a bit. Yeah, that's a midfield to be to be bypassed, I think. They're all probably decent enough footballers, I would think. But uh, yeah, Pack was pretty highly touted at one point, wasn't he? Was he at... Was it Bristol City he was at? He was at Bristol City, yes. Yeah. yeah, I remember him being like a big noise at one point, but he doesn't really look anything special at all. Um, so, so I guess as the... Oh, sorry, you on. know, you said about the 70-minute mark. So do you want to carry on with the, the kind of half-time mentality? Something well, no, like it's just that I, I made a note. At half-time, uh, Prutton's first comment was that Sheffield Wednesday had been completely dominant. And Clinton said, yeah, that Sheffield Wednesday had been brilliant. Um, so that I thought that was quite interesting. I mean, obviously those two are ex-Wednesday players, mm. but they are now in their guise as, as neutral observers. Uh, Keith Andrews was more annoyed at 
Cardiff not doing what they should be doing. So that was that was the sort of focus of his halftime. Well, uh, I, I kind of want to say this. I mean, this was... A point was probably fair. The way we kind of arrived at it was difficult, which is often the nature when you score and then you concede late. And the nature of the game, I, I guess so, a point. But genuinely, the thing I want to say about kind of a review, and I, I want to talk more about Wednesday, but I just want to finish off a little bit about Cardiff. Yeah. Just, I think they're a poor side. Yeah, they look they're a they very look poor side. Yeah. I don't know who I really thought was any good. I thought Bennett looks quite good for them, former Wednesday player Joe Bennett. Yeah. I thought he looked quite good at left back berth. I thought it looked all right, but a lot of them, I was like, this is poor. And um, from Cardiff, and I'm like, I was looking hilariously. I don't know if you saw the table, but Cardiff have 17 points. They've scored 17 goals and have conceded 17 goals. Right. Wow. I was kind of hoping on Saturday that results went against them and they went down to 17th to really hammer home <laughs> a very, very beleaguered point that I'm trying to make. But they're looking very mid-table. And I mean, we can talk yeah. about we can talk about their kind of expectations coming down from relegation. But I would expect them to be doing better. I would expect them to look a more formidable side. Which just makes it all the more disappointing that we've really thrown away two points from this game. Yeah, they look like they're in a transition from being a horrible but effective team into just straight up being a horrible team. Horrible team, I know. Uh, and then that's uh, when you sack Warnock and you completely change, you know, the whole ethos of your team. It, I, it's just a, it's a tale as old as time. It's just what, it's what happened with these sorts of managers because you lose the, you lose the little bits that make life livable under that sort of football. Because it's, I was hearing Bob Mortimer talking about the the football under Pulis, and he's like, I don't think I've ever experienced what it, actually quite how soul destroying it is. Because even when you win, it's not enjoyable. And that's what that Cardiff team looks like, doesn't it? Because even if they'd managed to win 2-1, they've been dreadful for more than an hour at home. They've shown no ambition, no quality. It is just literally like trying to, you know, gouge people's cheeks and shove people in the head and roll around on the floor. And it's just all dirty miserable nonsense and and people have a certain amount of sympathy when that's when that's getting you points and getting you promoted and keeping you up etc et mm. when you are gonna yeah you're gonna be mid-table people just get fed up they get fed up really really quickly because it's it's garbage <laughs> Um, no, nobody could possibly enjoy what they did apart from Neil Warnock. That's the sort of performance he probably dreams about, but I don't think anybody else could become away happy. For, maybe Aidan Flint. Aidan Flint looks like the sort of man that enjoys that kind of performance. I think he's probably been a brilliant signing for them because I I feel that he he kind of fits in. I think he's one of those players with a bit of nasty and a bit of needle to him. Yeah, like a man purely formed out of knees and elbows. Exactly, exactly. And you join like a cast of characters such as Lee Peltier, who dirty, yeah. um, Lee Tomlin, who such a he's a he just looks like a real prick of a human being. Well, did you see he sort of like shoved Burner in the head at one point? As yeah, well. I saw that. Yeah, just all that. That sort of stuff is just ugh. and just this kind of blatant kind of coming into well let's let's talk about it. so you set up to the 70 minute mark and i think one of the criticisms 
of kind of Monk's approach to this was the substitutions. It was deeply pragmatic, that substitution, wasn't it? It was, it was. And I can see why, but I, I, I think on another element, I can kind of appreciate the reasons why substitutions was made. It just, it didn't work in the slightest. And presumably Bannon was feeling something or he struggled in the week or, or you know, we were protecting him because we've got another two games to come. Because I don't think Bannon, even if you're making your pragmatic decision, Bannon's probably not the one that's going to come off. With the mentality that basically, I mean, you know, as I said earlier, my Freddy foreshadowing in this, um, it you know looked like it was going to be something they'd get from a set piece, and it looked like they'd use the kind of power and pace and height, the sheer you know the sheer giganticism of Aiden Flint just... on the end of it. So I could see probably the mentality of think let's bring New You on to kind of defend those and also kind of attack and kind of maybe mix and kind of cause some headaches up front. It just we never saw that. Well, he sort of went one one for one with Flint, didn't he? Because we were in a position where Cardiff were just launching it every opportunity they got even if it was in their own half it was launched straight to Flynn and he's got that kind of physical presence that you just can't do anything about it so we were we were having to let him win the first header and react to the second ball so I think putting new you on gave us somebody just as tall as Flynn and I think actually probably there was less issues after that point I'm, I can't remember when Flint had his chance because he hit the post at one point but I think that was before New You came on I don't have a problem with New You being the chain I think taking Bannon off for New You was a was a bad choice because it left a it left a hole in terms of energy and creativity mm. and and bringing Murphy on <sighs> Again, the theory of it is, well, Harris has run his race, so you bring on some more legs and you keep yeah. that same piece, that threat in behind. But Murphy is just, there's so little to his game at the moment. It, there was a point where he could have just, there was a, like the whole half of the pitch was behind his man and he didn't run past him. The, the sort of tame foul he gave away after the goal it's just so kind of symptomatic of how he's playing at the moment. There's just, I don't know whether it's a confidence thing. I don't know whether he's just not that good. I don't know what it is, but he just, mm. he's been a massive, massive disappointment. And we would have been much better. Do give Forestieri the exact same role to play. And he would have done a better job with it. I thought maybe this might have been a better game for Forestieri to come on. Because I, I know a lot of people have said, you know, he likes the big games. He likes the, the, like the TV. He likes impressing on, on bigger stages. So... I certainly think a cameo from Forestieri would have been much better. Some people, so one of the things they said in the studio was, "Oh, Forestieri should have come on for Bannon," which I think misses the point slightly <laughs> because Nuiu really is there defensively. Mm. But I could almost understand Harris for for Nuiu and a bit of a reshuffle in midfield. Bannon for Nuiu is weird, and then Harris for for, for Murphy just just didn't work. But I, yeah, I think when we if we t- if we if were insistent on taking Harris off, Forestieri would have provided a much better threat on the break, and he he harries people in possession as well. So because Murphy's got no interest in tackling either, he, he pretends he stands where he should and doesn't. He's well coached, but but lazy defensively because he knows where he's supposed to be, but doesn't do the 
doesn't do the work when he's there. Mm. Those were those were bad substitutions. That said, I don't think they were at fault for the goal. I think poor officiating, really. Poor officiating How, and a bit of na- naivety is is the reason they scored. Because they didn't have a shot on target till the till after the hour mark. We did a number on them. <laughs> this is a, it's know. another frustrating. I know. I know. Um, because it's not a foul that the, the free kick comes from. Then Aidan Flint is doing his nonsense, which I think a more experienced goalkeeper goes and speaks to the referee. Because what you do as Dawson, you don't stand in your spot and wait for the kick to get taken. You walk away and you you then take the legitimacy of the free kick away. You walk away and speak to the referee and say what's happening. Because he, he was distracted appealing to the linesman who, linesmen just don't give big decisions in this league. It doesn't happen. The referee rules the roost and they just follow blindly. Mm. You see it all the time. The referee is like 90, 100 yards away. The linesman is right on it and he looks at the referee to make the decision it's just how (laughs) they should have more say but it's up to the referee and in the championship the referees always want to run the show how how is it legal anyway i don't understand well so he could stand there like because van nisseroy was the kind of great developer of standing there and atty likes to stand there so you can stand in an offside position but in particular what flint was doing was standing in Dawson's line of sight. So that is affecting play. Yeah, but I mean, how? Was, why don't we know. just have a rule where they can't stand in an offside position? I, I don't understand. Like, it, That's not it the just, rule. That's not the rule. And it's not the rule, but it should be the rule. And I feel like that no. was previously the rule. But what he did within the rules is not allowed. But I don't think the ref can see it. The ref can't see it, which is a hilarious thing. The linesman didn't react properly. We can all see it. Everyone can see it. Dawson can clearly see it because Dawson can't see anything else. That's where I I genuinely think someone with a bit more nous and confidence, Westwood, I think Mm. he he sort of goes and speaks to the referee. He doesn't let that free kick happen when he's out of position. I reckon what happens is they take a free kick into an empty net and then they have to take it again. Yeah. If if it's a more experienced goalkeeper. Um, It's just just staggering gamesmanship. Yeah. It's just so blatant. It's not even like the little needles and the push in the heads. The things where, like, we see it, the cameras see it. You know, everybody sees it, but it's not that pronounced. But you're expecting a guy to make a big call who all game has gone with the home team on any 50-50. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Which is where you have to take it out of their hands. That's it's. I'm sure Dawson will learn from this. And I don't think there was anything he could do goalkeeping-wise once the free kick's taken because he's put himself out of position to try and see the ball being hit. But he's got more control than he thinks in that situation. And he needs to sort of take away the legitimacy of the set piece yeah. by, by going and speaking to the officials. But I, I think that's just it's just a bit of a mentality of the game. And I don't know. I think there's a lot to say for... Me and you at Wednesday nights, we've been watching football for, you know, roughly 20 odd to 30 years, depending on how much you've seen. Like, I, I think this is a frustrating thing to say, you know, like Monk came out at the end of a game and I I really respected how balanced and how collected and calm mm. Gary Monk was considering he was losing his crap on the sidelines. Yeah. Especially after the Peltier challenge. Yes. Which he was just absolutely remonstrating with the fourth official to the point where if, I think basically the fourth official said, I don't want to hear any more of it. Get back in your area. Which later on, I think Bullen was then taking up the mantle of harassing the fourth yeah. official. Um, 
So, you know, and Monk kind of comes out and says, you know, we will learn from this. But I think yeah. we kind of knew. We knew what was kind of... I, I didn't I didn't even want to say I didn't think I saw it coming, because I, I genuinely didn't, because I felt like Cardiff was so limp um, for vast majority of this that I didn't think that they would score. I mean, the, the real mentality of this is the thing that we're kind of ruining is we're ruining referees, which we can't really do anything about. There's a notorious yeah. poor standard of refereeing in this league. It is astonishing how bad these referees and officials are. Yeah. It is it is quite something that people are paid good money to just be so poor and to seemingly have no support or or you know anything against them if they do anything wrong. Yeah. I, it it's astonishing. It really is astonishing. This is a this is a professional sport. I th- I think as well really the last couple of games <clears throat> the officiating's been so bad that it, you worry for the players. Like when when Peltier's allowed to do what he did with no repercussions, really. A free kick in a nothing area is not punishment for what he did to Harris. You know, he could put Harris out for games. He could he could have could have missed huge chunks of the season because it was such a poor challenge when you don't punish players for these sorts of things that feeds into the game like you got to, uh, as a referee it's not just about kind of keeping a keeping a standard but it's also you've got a job there to look after the players and particularly the game the rules of the game are supposed to be skewed towards creative players so when somebody is 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 working creatively, they're supposed to get the ba- the balance of the of the the sort of you know the fifty fifties and the benefit of the doubt. But it just doesn't seem to be the case recently. And the last couple of games, I thought this could get so out of hand because you've not dealt with big challenges early doors. So somebody goes in, does an absolute crunching tackle. They're expecting a yellow card. They don't get it. Well, that's carte blanche oh yeah well that's great i could do whatever i like basically yeah yeah and so uh, it's the game management that's lost partly because they hand out so many cards for nothing i mean we ended up with three yellow cards which is I ridiculous any tackles it's absolutely ridiculous i can't remember one of the challenges no there wasn't one where i thought that was bad Fox i think the, the ball maybe the hit, hutchinson i thought one but the hutchinson one felt very much like the hutchinson one felt because of timing it felt like you've yeah. done a challenge but like this <laughs> you know a minute ago and seemingly you haven't called down so here you go yeah but that was kind of very directly after the Peltier incident, which was, or before the Peltier incident, which was why Bannon was in the referee's ear saying that, wait, that isn't a yellow. Yeah, it's it's insane that it's not a yellow. It absolutely has to be. If we want to have players like Harris who are quick and creative, and that's what everybody wants to see in the game, you need to look after them. I remember the we had, we've had the argument with, with Forestieri so often. Like, I can understand why a big lummox like Nuiu struggles to get fouls given for him. But <laughs> Harris and Fosieri well, are exactly the sort of players we should be protecting. Well, that was so the that one thing can... with, I don't know if you had it on your commentary, what did the... So we get basically the same feed, I just get a different commentary. Okay. I just have one commentator, I don't know who it was, um, Jeff Kingsley or something, I don't know. It's a very... Very anodyne, old, white, English dude's name. And to the point that... Stephen McCommentator Man. Stephen McCommentator Man. That's the gentleman. (laughs) And um, he was making a thing about the incident where Flint went down. Yes. Under apparently a bit of shirt-tugging from Palmer. 
Right. And what I made in my notes, which is a recurrent theme, which we're going to bring back up here. If you're a tall player, you're not going to win anything with something very soft, even if it is a penalty. Which yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it was. It was pretty weak and soft, but they were basically, the commentator was making a, they went and repeated that footage and made a thing of it. Oh, did right, they okay. Did they bring anything up on Sky? No. I didn't really see much of, no, I didn't hear much discussion of it. They certainly weren't talking about the, the robbery. That we could the Potentially, uh, there was a Peltier thing. There was a sort of ball flicked over the top that Harris and Peltier raced after um, in the second half. That again, that could have been if Harris went down, could have should have really been a penalty because even though it was a nothing ball. They were just sort of chasing it to the corner flag. Peltier had a full handful of Harris's shirt the whole way along. And again, neither of the officials spotted anything. He just gets applauded and sent on his way. It, yeah, desperately poor officiating. Um, Dawson pulled off a, a really good save. Uh, mm. Well, there was the one from Flint that happened to be offside, but neither of them knew that. And he, he made a great save. And I was going to say, the- I felt he made a great save, but it, they didn't kind of bring it up. I think all the, the only thing they said was... Was about from my kind of end of my commentary was Flint. How did Flint not score that? But that yeah. made it sound like Flint put it over the bar. But I'm like, no, that was actually a good save from Dawson. Exactly, he got his positioning right and he he made himself big. And the stop he did before that was it from was it White I think or was it there was a yeah card that was a really good send absolutely the... cracked one on the volley which was low which um, Dawson did incredibly well to get down and make a good stop he did he did I I feel for Dawson because <laughs> obviously he didn't know he was going to be playing so that's always a bit of a weird situation to drop into although for him <laughs> it's becoming a, a fairly regular occurrence. Um, mm. And by and large, I think he had a fine, you know, he did fine. He didn't really make any big errors or anything like that. But unfortunately, the goal is the thing that matters. So I think this is a perfect segue because I think we've kind of concluded most of the talk about the game. But going on to player ratings, um, how did you feel that? So Dawson, I... I've probably given a 7.5 initially too. I kind of went down to a 7. I have this um, interesting mentality of that like while I'm watching the game and near about the 60-minute mark, I, I try to get some stuff down for players okay. in case I kind of forget. But then I'm kind of doing that sometimes like as though no big events are going to come and change the situation. So I think I went with a 7.5 and I loaded down to a bit of a 7. Um, like I said, he had nothing to do for vast ways of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Or I think he made a, an odd punch out from the flag in the first half. His distribution was okay as well. Um, yeah. And he made some great saves at the death as well. And I'm just, I'm really gutted for him. I don't think, I guess there's an interesting mentality. Can you mark a player down for his lack of experience? <sighs> that I think is the kind of question. That's probably why I've taken yeah. half a mark off of Dawson because I felt he did very well. And really in another game, he should have got a clean sheet. And that should have been something that really would kind of boost his young career as he's still something like early 20s, 22 or something at this point, I think. Yeah, I think there's two things. There's two there's two ways he could have dealt with the situation better than he did. So I think whether you put that down to experience or whatever, I think it's fair to to to, to knock him down half a mark for it. Because I think does... one thing you do is you just ignore it and you try and save the shot that comes over the wall. You don't let it bother you at all. Or the other is you take a more 
active role approach and and try and change the situation i mean this is the thing with young players and i guess this is a really interesting point that that you've brought up i mean this is this is a really rare occurrence but it's it's kind of combating and going against the level of gamesmanship that you have to develop a character that i guess you only can really do with experience so you hope a player like dawson can develop that with experience I, I thought it was really interesting you brought up and i completely agree with you that in westwood in that situation he would have he would have let everybody know about that. yeah he would have been screaming we would have heard we would have heard that they would have had to apologize for the swears <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's the way it should be honestly i mean uh, i think that is it's a tricky thing with young players is more often than not that they don't come with that kind of that backbone that vociferousness built in but those are the big things that sort of set set people apart in those big moments yeah well it's it's a very i think it's a very small factor that kind of makes that kind of makes a difference over time right yeah absolutely but it's well, I- it's such an interesting thing because it's a small thing how do you how do you kind of combat against that and I, I was wondering about you know we were talking about the level of gamesmanship that cardiff are coming out with does it are, are you blowing things out of control if if, for example, who did who did Tomlin kind of put? It was Berner, is Berner, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomlin pushed Berner in the face. What if Berner went down like a sack of potatoes, holding his face, writhing around on the ground? Like, there's an interesting thing to say. That is terrible. You shouldn't be doing that. But unfortunately, there's a little bit of sometimes amplifying the things that happen on the pitch. Yeah, which you never players do dive around and win things. But often, unfortunately, it's because you know X player did something to provoke that. And referees aren't good enough. Uh, so Harris, countless times, we've seen it already this season. It will keep happening. He'll be strong enough to ride a challenge. That doesn't stop it being a foul, and it doesn't mean it shouldn't be called up as a foul, particularly if he's not able to get away the shot or the cross that. He wants to do mm. so you never ever get rewarded for being strong never the, the ref i mean you can probably count on one hand the amount of times in a, in a whole season where a referee will blow up the whistle for a player that stayed on his feet and tried to take the opportunity presented to him but failed because of the the illegal intervention in their in their gate it, it, it never happens even at the top level we so, talked about backbone i mean does it, it increasingly seems that like referees don't really want to make any big calls. They don't really want to do much. I'll be honest. No, I do. I wonder if I do wonder a little bit if it's one of these things that you never see your own team doing it. It can. <laughs> I'm be. conscious can of be. that. I'm conscious yeah. of that with the Forestieri thing because I. I I lost a lot of respect for um, Kenny Dalglish in particular, but a lot of the sort of Liverpool players around the time um, that, uh, oh man, I've forgotten his name. Little goofy striker for Barcelona. Oh, Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez. So them wearing their Luis Suarez t-shirts and things like that, when he'd clearly clearly hadn't you know been part of uh, racist abuse to another player that meant i really was like that is that's pure kind of herd mentality protect the clan and you know anybody that picks uh, picks on us is 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 a terrible person and we we can't be wrong and I'm conscious of that a little bit with Forestieri. I mean, we 
it it seemed clear from the from what the although the judge didn't push forward with charges it, in his sort of summing up he sort of basically said i'm pretty sure that you did this but there's not enough evidence to go on mm. so so but we haven't reacted like oh we've got a player that's been involved in in dishing out racist abuse we've broadly supported him and to an extent there's not much we can do about it as fans but I do think I'm just I'm just wary when we talk about other teams doing play acting and things like that. And I I feel like we don't I don't really ever really remember a Wednesday team that did lots of shouting at the ref and play acting and rolling around and things like that. But may, maybe it's one of those things that when your player is rolling around, you see it as a foul. And do you know what I mean? I, I'm just wondering if it's one. We do tend to be kind of myopic in our in our fandom as much as we try and, and not be trying to be balanced as possible. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, it feels like it's getting worse, and it feels like the last three or four teams we've played have just pushed it to the absolute extremes. We've, there is a mechanism where we can kind of make a pointed evidence-based uh, claim, isn't there? You can do it two or three times a season or something like that. I remember Carlos doing it, putting together a dossier a couple of times. But it is getting to the point where I feel like we might have to. Which, you know, when Carlos did it, it came to nothing. I know. Yeah. I know. Anyway, shall we get back yes, to the players? I we agree. Seven. Seven. Seven for Dawson. Uh, moving on to Palmer. Um, in the right back berth is uh, Scottish favourite Scottish berth I thought he'd go for a 7.5 I thought he did good it was a good performance how did you think he did kind of going forward because I think he he kind of helped out in that aspect yeah I don't particularly remember him shining but uh, I think he did his job I I think I'd probably be more inclined towards a a, a 7 than a 7.5 I didn't. I, think, that's probably I didn't think he stood out particularly, but I, I'm happy. You know, I, you know, I can understand your 7.5 as well. Um, yeah, he was squeezing his bagpipes on the opposite flank. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, what about Big Dom, Dominic? Big, big Dom. Um, 7.5. I thought he did well. Um, I I loved he had a nice marauding run in the first half, which he picked mm-hmm. out on as well. I and then that. the second half, um, of definitely his highlight reel is that lovely div- diving defensive header he had. Yes. Uh, that was a fantastic piece of commitment, I thought. Really good. Do you, at what stage do we start to get a bit um, conspiracy theory-ish about Tom Lees' injury? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit of a speculative out there, but it really is. I, it's so speculative; it's kind of caught me unawares. Um, I don't know. I I I genuinely thought Lees was injured, and I I don't know when we're next going to see him, unless well, one of these players picks up a knock or a bit of squad rotation, or I don't think even Burn is that close to a uh, you know a yellow card suspension. He's not been racking up the yellows like uh, uh, on Okay, right. So Burn is going to be the next one who probably will miss out. So then yeah. we'll probably see some change I, I don't know how I feel about Niall Friendly's centre-back pairing I, I don't know how I feel about a centre-back pairing without Burner I'll be honest that's probably yeah. that's probably number one on the defensive team sheet I think really I just uh, I'm, there's, there's maybe nothing there but it's one of those things it's now probably we're getting on for eight or nine weeks where Lees has been training with the team and nearly there and he's not been fit enough to even make the bench, apparently, within all that. And then, but as you sort of say, I don't even know if, if Tom Lees was fully fit. I don't know that I would pick him ahead of Iolfer at the moment. 
Well, I mean, this is the interesting thing is that we've had a we've had a little bit of change and a bit of shuffling with the squad, which is fantastic. And um, you know, we've been kind of reviving and rejuvenating this you know this squad and the starting eleven. So Lee's has been number one on the team sheet for so long. Yeah. That it's it's refreshing that we have this dilemma now that we have two players doing better than him in Iolfa and Berda. Yeah, absolutely. It's just an interesting sort of. I, I I think I don't know where I saw it, but I I saw somebody make the comment that I wonder if the what's wrong with Tom Lees is that Iolfa is playing better than him in his position. So it just made me sort of think it has been a long time of him being on the cusp and not quite there. But as I say, probably nothing there at all. Um, I, I I tend to agree. I think seven seven and a half uh, a good score for him i'm just really enjoying i like the way he plays center back it's very very different to how tom lee's plays center back um and i i i I like the the pace and physicality that he brings to it he seems he seemed to sort of follow uh glatzel everywhere yesterday he was Mm. popping up at left back right back uh, both sides of centre back, so uh, but he's got the mobility to do that. Uh, then, uh, so what about Julian Burner? Um, first Sheffield Wednesday goal for Julian Burner, and it was funny, kind of watching at the time. You think it took a deflection, you know, in the heat of the moment, and then you kind of yeah. watch it back, and you're like, it's actually a really good finish. It's a really good finish. <laughs> it's just the control and the player getting, you know, a shot getting whipped in from from Kadeem Harris with some real pace to just kind of guide that in. It's just lovely. And apparently that's, I think, is I think it's something like his 27th or 28th goal, career goal. Well, we looked at it because he's, he's got a decent scoring record. I remember when, uh, before he played his, his first game, we were we were looking at him uh, amongst the summer signings and he had a pretty good, like, he had a rate of like something like what, a goal every eight games or something like that. It's which about for that, a yeah. Back, tremendous. Yeah. Uh, so he's a bit behind the, the time, so we can expect another one in the week, hopefully. Um, but it, I, don't, I don't think many people will have had him down to score it with his right foot <laughs> from open play uh good on him yeah he took it so well it was it was really really good uh the uh so score wise I, I think probably eight i think we're giving an eight as well that's why i had him as well i said getting guess an eight for the goal i mean such a consistent performer it's interesting because it's one of those games where although towards the end of the match we had to do some defending it rarely actually got to the center backs we we generally managed to stop them before they got anywhere near our box so they kind of had a lighter day i offer and and, and Berner in some ways because hutch and and luongo were stopping them before they got there and the only thing they had were those set pieces which obviously they, they both had to uh had to had to work hard to to clear but yeah get grabbing the goal so good i'm a little bit disappointed he didn't go absolutely like Timur Katspaya crazy when he scored. I was sort of hoping that would be. <laughs> <laughs> Just like picking a fight with the first six rows, kicking kicking in the uh, the advertising hoarding stuff. But <laughs> I'll let him off. <laughs> uh, Sam Hutchinson. What about Morgan Fox? Oh, sorry. Oh, the unforgettable Morgan Fox. Sorry about that. Seven. Everyone's favourite Wednesday uh, cricket enthusiast, Morgan Fox. <laughs> He just loves them insects. <laughs> <laughs> All his fellow foxes are rumbling through, you know, rumbling through the trash, the garbage, <laughs> for some uh, previous uh, KFC bones, but he likes the crickets. <laughs> it's, it was a standard, a now standard Morgan Fox performance, wasn't it, really? Didn't do anything wrong, didn't do yeah. much, didn't stand out particularly, but 
that's maybe all right. <laughs> he, did a, um, he did a great tackle at the 78-minute mark. I made a note. Uh, some good touches going forward. I thought he was comfortable. Um, he did crossing. He had a good crossing well. in the second half, didn't he, I think? Yeah, which again yeah. didn't get... It got pretty short shrift from the, the folks in the box, but that was a bit of a factor on the day, really. <laughs> yeah, I think seven's probably fair for him. Yeah, okay. Um, so so sorry for, for jumping the gun, but Sam Hutchinson. And I would applaud you jumping the gun because Sam Hutchinson, he was my man of a match. I would give him an 8.5. Oof. I, he just looked something different. He was everywhere. Um, he looked a threat going forward. Forward. You know, he kind of rode a few challenges and just had a bit of impetus. The impetus a player like uh, Jacob Murphy has never seen in his life. Um, he's full-blooded. He broke up the play well. Um, had a few important pieces of play. He, yeah, he looked like a new man, and he played like one possessed. I thought he was very, very good. I think I'd still lean towards Burner as my man of the match, but um, yeah, I th- he was great. That the whole midfield did a did a did a really good job. I think the midfield uh, was fantastic. Yeah, because as you say, we didn't see anything from their midfield. They were they were completely swamped. Yeah, and that that's got to be credit to to our guys for uh, for for swamping them. The opposite of Donald Trump. They uh, they. They filled up the swamp? I don't know. <laughs> What's the opposite of draining a swamp? <laughs> um, Adam Reach? You've gone with Reach. Okay. Okay, yeah, well, I see I, what you've done. I I'm looking you've at, done. I guess the interesting thing is Hutch was pretty far forward. I so No, I'm looking at who scored and they've got it as a four one, four one. But that's yeah, I think do that. Okay. Reach not, um no. I thought he was good. Had some good energy, some good touches. Yeah. I, I was a bit, actually, a little bit disappointed in Reach today. I think he had he had chances to have a real influence on the game and didn't make the best of them. Uh, there was there was a long clearance in the second half where he was kind of one on one with their only defender, and it was a okay first touch, but his second touch was dreadful. Just gave it straight to uh, I think it was Morrison. He was running alongside at the time. Uh, just. I think you probably, if you went through, and there was, there's probably four or five occasions where Reach either could have played a better pass, taken a better shot, taken a better touch, which would have led to a key pass or shot. So I, I was a, yeah, as I say, I was a little bit underwhelmed with, with what he did. Although he was, again, he was bright and involved. Uh, I just think he could have done, he could have offered us more in those key moments, which is normally where he's so good because he can normally be pretty quiet and then makes the key moments count. Whereas this game, he, he looked busy enough, but just didn't didn't do the job when when it was his his turn. Uh, I I probably go sort of six and a half for each for me. I would go with seven, but I I I kind of share and I kind of see how disappointed you were. Yeah. Um, it it wasn't probably his best. Yeah, it's just I. <sighs> I think the kind of not to be um, too boring and to derail us too much, but I think just one of the recurring themes of this season is going to be goals, not getting enough goals. And Reach was very much part of why we didn't get that second goal that would have made life so much easier today. Yeah. Uh, similarly, Fletcher, just they're not big, big chances. We're not talking about one on one with the goalkeeper with nobody else in the box and messing that up. So you can't mark people that harshly, but it's just it's making those little glimmers, those half chances, those moments count is is what we need to do better at to, to, to take three points in games like like uh, Fridays. Uh, right. Um, Luongo. 
Um, I, I, I really like Luongo. Um, I, I don't want to sound this as a criticism. I would say this is the weakest of that midfield. How I saw the midfield three of Hutch Bannon and Luongo. Um, but still really good. I, I'm really happy with, you know, who he is, why he's here in this team. Um, his dine, you know, he's such a dynamic with him as a player. It's, yeah. it's fantastic to see. He's got an engine for days and he had some really lovely touches as well. He does have a lot of skill. Um, does, does action mass. Score-wise? I went for a 7.5. So when I yeah. said weakest of the three, I think that it's kind of like when I say it's it sounds good. like a criticism, but yeah. actually, it really, he wasn't the player who I think starred as much as Hutch and, ba- Hutch and, uh, and Baz did today. Um, but still really, really good. Yeah, I, th- I thought he had a I thought he had a, a, a nice game. Interestingly, so obviously who scored is a, it's a little bit kind of um, the, you know, the lies, damn lies and statistics sort of thing. But Luongo was our best uh, other than Bo- Bo- uh, Bernard Longo was our best performer according to them he uh, he got a 7.3 and, and Bernard got a, a 7.5 so but yeah I th- I thought he was kind of he was, he was that all three of them just were like buzzing around the ball uh, and having positive having a positive influence on play which you can't always say uh, of of uh, of Hutch and Bannon uh, I was I was impressed with I th- all three of them. I th- I think maybe you're right. He he had less key moments, Luongo, but he mm. wasn't far away from all of the good stuff either. So I think yeah, seven and a half, good good score. Uh, we Barry Bannon, we Baz went for an eight. Um, some amazing bits of play. Uh, I'm just I'm loving this new attack minded mold of Barry Bannon. Mm. Um, I thought his game had a little bit of everything. Um, I love some of those. He did a couple of lovely little piss take passes yes. that really kind of, um, really kind of knocked down this this really terrible <laughs> Cardiff midfield and Cardiff side. <laughs> um, I was a little disappointed by the shot he had in the second half. I thought that could have been better, but yes. but still, I've I've decided to go for an eight for Bannon. How did you feel? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I think I'd probably lean more towards a seven and a half. Uh, maybe partly because he wasn't not obviously not his fault, but he wasn't on the pitch for kind of those key moments towards the end. So I think the other two get get extra points for being being there, being involved. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really enjoying him with the shackles off and and being allowed to 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 shine really in the in the new system. It's great. It's great to see, and he's he's really picking up the mantle and looking fantastic. <laughs> I wish I wish we had someone as good as Gary Hooper to finish to mop up all these lovely chances. But uh, mm. Fletch will get enough of them to make it all right. It's just a bit frustrating sometimes when games like games like Friday night, you don't get three or four chances on a plate. You get one or two half chances, and you've got to do the best with them. And he kind of had three efforts that were all a bit tame and disappointing <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, oh, we'll get to him anyway after uh, after Kadeem Harris. Kadeem Harris gave him a 7.5. Um, nearly scored twice. Yeah. <laughs> Such an important player for his... I'm disappointed his free kick didn't go in. It deserved to. And he deserved to be on that score sheet. I didn't know he had that free kick in his locker. That's even more exciting, isn't it? To have a player <laughs> like that who potentially wrap his foot around one into the corner yeah. is pretty fantastic. It's oh, a pretty great thing to have. Yeah. I th- I really loved seeing him play today and just kept getting like shoved and kicked and knocked down and kept getting himself back up and doing him again one on one uh he's yeah uh, uh, that was a joyous uh, performance from Kadim and um i think yeah seven and a half is pretty good he, again it's those fine 
fine margins if if one of those goals goes in probably you're looking at Harris being man of the match or, or at least very 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 close to it uh but yeah enjoy really enjoyable to see him him do his do his thing out on that left wing and uh that takes us to Stephen Fletcher uh, I don't know I think I initially gave him a seven but the more I'm thinking about it I think it's more of a 6.5 from Fletcher he was he was okay yeah I don't know maybe I think yeah, he did maybe a lot it of the, sorry, maybe on. it wasn't the game for Fletcher today it's interesting because I think it's the least one of the early games under Monk you were sort of talking about how shocked you were how long we went mm. but one of the marked things today was how little we, we looked to go long uh, and we were quite effective when we did but we didn't do it very often we only really did it when there was a clear pass on it wasn't hit and hope and have Fletcher fight it out it's going to be hard for him up against a guy that's six foot seven and yeah made out of mainly sort of spam and bovril in in Aiden Flint so it's just that's just going to make his his life very difficult he's not going to get the chance to to to, to bully him and uh, move him around in in the way that he will with most defenders uh but as I say those few moments where he sort of broke free and, and had those opportunities I just there was two really tame shots where he had a lot of time to think about them and he just kind of passed them to the goalkeeper. And then I, I, I admit that the, the, the chest thing is, is split decision, split second decision and it's very fast <laughs> moving. Yeah. Yeah. But that's where you want your striker to show. And he's actually pretty good at improvising. So maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's the best he could have done in that situation. Because if your oh. body's not set up for a, a header, it's you you might mess things up trying to make that happen. You know, trying to force that to happen. But it just, it, again, it just felt like another one of these moments where if we'd done a bit better, we could have had a pretty comfortable eat. We could have been 2-3-0 up at half time on yeah. Friday. That's yeah. it's not an exaggeration. We were that much better than them. They didn't do anything in the game. You know, we completely controlled it. So it was frustrating to just have that one and 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 you're always susceptible then to a bit of spawny nonsense uh, when it when it's just the one goal. Because Flint hit the post and that could have been that could have been the chance as well. That that you know, if that one had snuck in, it would have been just as undeserved, just as against the run of the whole match. Uh, but we leave ourselves open to it if we don't take those chances. Um, subs, so New You came on at the 73rd minute. I really can't remember New You really doing much, I'll be honest. No, I no. Maybe a six. Yeah, I think he made it a little bit more difficult for them to just, you know, javelin it straight at Flint, which was what was starting to happen too often. Mm. But... He didn't do the other bits that he was supposed to do, which was kind of hold things up and make the ball stick up front. He didn't do that well enough. So I think, yeah, I'd go along with your your scoring. Murphy? Can I probably six as well? I'd probably say. It's general. <laughs> That's why when you say that, I thought I was going. <laughs> what would you, how much, what would you uh, rate, rate the lesser? Uh- the lesser of two Murphys. <laughs> the lesser of two Murphys. Oh, Jacob, Jacob, Jake. Josh wasn't too good for Cardiff, but anyway, let's talk. No, about he, was, he was. He was. He was. He was really quite bad. <laughs> I just. I, it feels like he needs a kind of. There's so many players like him, and we've seen. We've had more than enough of them on loan. But he's whatever age he is now. Is he 24 or something like that? Probably, yeah. 24 yeah, years old. Okay, he's not a kid anymore. This is he should be starting to look like the player that he it's not about potential anymore it is just this is what you are 
and I just there's just so little drive and and determination about him. He's so kind of I don't know, just so so lightweight and limp in possession. Yeah, I just don't know what the point of him is at the moment. And I honestly would rather him not be playing for us while he's like this. If he can sort of pull his finger out and decide that, you know, he can be a footballer. I mean, presumably he's been good elsewhere. You don't get the move to the big club without showing some sign of something. But the guy that's come on in the last couple of games for us honestly has no place in a Sheffield Wednesday shirt. He was he was useless. In fact, mm-hmm. he was he was he had a negative impact because he gave away a foul, he gave away the ball. What he contributed was 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 less than if he hadn't come on and we'd substituted uh, Kadeem Harris for nobody, we would have been in a better position than bringing on Jacob Murphy. And that is shameful as a football player. Yeah. I shouldn't ever be able to say that about your performance. I I was a bit surprised we only made two substitutions. I think everybody was doing their job pretty well. I, I think he wouldn't have yeah. made the ban and change if he didn't need to. Um, presumably Harris was starting to sort of chug a bit. I don't. I didn't notice him struggling, but there's obviously that aspect. If you've got a game Tuesday and then you've got another game on Saturday, you've got to kind of manage. Well, there was that mentality with the ban and substitution as well. I, I wondered whether you would have just gone with. Yeah, we can. We talked about that substitution already. Yeah, yeah. We've, I, we've... I wondered whether if you're looking at for midfield sense. I, I get the fact of bringing you on and what he does. Um, maybe I would have done that for Fletcher instead. Yes. And then if you're taking Bannon off, maybe maybe Joey P comes in for some minutes. Pelly Percy wouldn't have been a bad... Uh, the only thing in a game when it was starting to feel like we were giving away too many fouls around the box, he... he <laughs> <don't>... <laughs> Do you want to bring in the uh, negative playmaking talents of Joey Pellegrini? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Does, do you want to add that to the mix? He does. He has a penchant for those little uh, uh, those little fouls around the box as well. Um, yeah. Well, there we go. That's that's the uh, we've made our way through the t- through the ratings. <laughs> it's going to be. This is a big week. I think these are, these are. We knew that this this was a challenge. I think we rose to the challenge. It's just unfortunate that the result wasn't quite what we wanted. But to come away disappointed by a draw away at Cardiff is possibly something we wouldn't have expected to be feeling. You know, maybe two months ago before Monk came in. So maybe it's a maybe it's a mark of our progress to some extent to try and um, try and siphon off some silver lining from uh, from from that pretty cloudy end to the game. Yeah. Yeah. You sound, you sound so convinced. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. It's just, it's been, um, I, I'm staggered and I'm also a little bit relieved that um, I felt that going into recording this episode with you, Rich, I was going to give a disclaimer that there'd be a lot of editing for you from all the sighing that I would be doing <laughs> from this game. And miraculously, I haven't. I, I'm also glad we had a couple of days to um, kind of relax and kind of uh, record this. That helps. Because yeah. I was, I was very angry. I was very, very angry about that game. That was. Well, we, we talked about it with the Fulham game. It's there's there are few joys on a par with grabbing a late equaliser, but there are few things as disappointing as as conceding that conceding late. Conceding a late equaliser, yes. And we could have, were it not for a very good save from Dawson late on, it could have been even more annoying in that it. It could have actually been a loss from dominating for for over an hour. So yeah, I definitely um, I, I I could I I totally understand the <laughs> the frustration. It was a weird thing watching the game, knowing the result, because that that sort of brings a different perspective to things. But even then, I could feel the kind of movement, you know, in the deep waters when when they just 
we started giving away so many free kicks around the uh, around the edge of the area. Like this is this is where these things start to feel ominous. Uh, anyway, we go again. A bit of a catchphrase for us. Um, a bit of a football games. platitude that we've adopted and called our own. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like all good catchphrases stolen from people that actually know what they're doing. <laughs> well. I hope you have a, a splendid week, Luke. And uh, you too, sir. yeah, we'll we'll meet again on the other side of uh, two tough games: one with Stoke City and one with Leeds United. Fun stuff. Cheerio, Luke. Have a good one, Rich. See you. Thanks.